Hey, welcome back to Pigeon Hockey, where I don't claim to be a hockey expert, but simply an overzealous hockey fan that loves to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. I'm your host, Chris, and today's special guest is the play-by-play announcer for the USPHL's Northern Colorado Eagles, Brendan Price. Brendan, welcome back to the show. Chris, oh, we're doing this again? Oh, I love this. <laughs> we are, and weirdly enough, as, as me and you were, were chatting for a little bit before the podcast started, the storm clouds are officially moving here in Copenhagen. It's been a super hot day. Again, we don't have air conditioning, so all the windows are open. It's gotten super dark, super quick, and it's only 8.30, which 8.30 in August, it's getting dark in Copenhagen. You know a storm's moving in because it doesn't get dark till 10. Um, so you might hear some thunder. You might hear some rain. You might hear me run off to close some windows uh, or plants being knocked over because, well, that's what happens uh, during or, storms here. Or just consider it the ominous rumbles of the 22-23 season being, what, four or five weeks away now? I mean, oh, you've got teams, teams playing exhibitions that second week in September. It, it is creeping up faster and quieter than we all, I think, recognize some days. You just look at the calendar and go, whoa, main camp's in three weeks. Oh, our season opener's in six. I can't wait. Like – we're no kidding about five weeks or less away from actual junior hockey starting back up in most leagues. And I can get over my hockey depression here. And this is an unedited quick drop episode too, for all you listeners. Normally you're used to these episodes coming out around nine 30 in the morning, Eastern standard time. Um, this episode will be about six to seven hours late and be unedited. So every little mistake me, and Brendan Make will be, uh, you know, highlighted on this episode. I will add a puck noise, though, which you already heard because it's happened. But um, me and Brendan wanted to talk about not only the upcoming 22-23, like, junior hockey season, but we kind of wanted to start off with a little bit of discussion about the fact that the USPHL made an announcement about a month and a half ago uh, that the West Division, well, I guess the Mountain Division. I like calling it the West, but, uh, you know, it's not catching on. So I'm just going to keep saying it till somebody picks it up. But at this point, it doesn't matter because the Mountain Division is going to be moving up to the Tier 2 level, the highest level in the USPHL, the National Collegiate Development – wait, National College – oh, my brain's broken. It's hot here. No, no, you had it. National Collegiate Development Conference. You were on the right track. I went to National Collegiate Development and then college. I'm like, nope, that's not right. Um, Yeah, conference. Um, I'm just used to seeing NCDC. It's like when people say, you know, the North American Hockey League. I'm like, the what? They're like the null. I'm like, oh, yeah. The null. null. Yeah. (laughs) It's that that industry language that you don't even think about. You just become familiar with. And then when you have to transition out of it and start speaking like a normal human being, everyone goes, what is he even talking about? It's hard. And when it's like 30 degrees and there's no wind and you've been hot all day, uh, you know, my brain is uh, not functioning on all cylinders here. So I'm drinking a nice uh, Pacheca out of the the Douro region of Portugal because, you know, I like it. But, uh, yeah. (laughs) There's no other reason you need because it's what I'm doing and that's why I'm here. What you want? Yeah, on ice, nonetheless. you know, really, really good ports coming out of there. That said, uh, the NCDC, they're moving on up, really excited because the 
the Idaho Falls, Spud Kings, the Northern Colorado Eagles, Pebble Bulls, Ogden Mustangs, Utah Outliers, and Provo Predators will be moving on up next season. And, you know, tell our listeners what that actually means. Well, you know, I, I think for starters, it is a huge, huge, huge testament um, to the work that all six, you know, counting Idaho Falls now, um, it's a real testament to the work that all six of those organizations have done um, over the past three plus years um, in, in putting themselves in a position from a player development standpoint, from an organizational um, stability standpoint, to to get to a place where, I mean, realistically, in the Pacific and Rocky Mountain regions in the U.S., this Tier 2 junior hockey um, opportunity, it, it's it's a... It's a standalone in in the Pacific yeah. and Rocky Mountain regions, right? Because the Null is a tier two league, but it doesn't really come past the plains. It's it's heavily Texas centered in that Southwest division, and you know obviously you have Major Junior in the WHL um, up in the Pacific Northwest, you know, but that only goes as far south as Portland on the state side, um, and, and so you've had this real gap where you see more and more players from. Colorado, California, Arizona, Nevada. Um, you've seen more of those top tier players having to go back east to play tier two hockey. And starting with 23-24, they won't have to do that anymore as a necessity. They can still do it by choice. But, you know, there's an opportunity now for some of those, those kids um, and players to stay home. And I, I think the best way to to kind of differentiate on the totem pole for people the way that the tier two structure differs from tier three in particular one from a player standpoint the big one is you've moved out of phase of play you've now moved into a tuition free experience on the player side that's i mean that's the big one um you know objectively i think when you look at the player development curve instead of seeing most of your guys play ncaa division three or acha hockey you start seeing a bulk of your commitments potentially move into NCAA Division One, or, you know, playing youth sports in Canada um, or overseas looks. I mean, you know, two years ago, the NCDC um, had three players drafted directly into NHL organizations that now own their rights. Um, this past year in the 2022 NHL draft, you had alumni picked as high as, I believe, 44 overall in the NHL draft. And so you are just walking into a, an entirely different level um, and, and caliber of, of hockey. Um, and, and again, it's something that this, this area of the United States hasn't really been represented from a team and a league standpoint over the past decade or so. And you've seen more and more players and, you know, especially in the state of Colorado with the Avalanche winning the cup and this past year, that that growth is only going to continue. I mean, I you, you look at some of the, the different organizations that as as USHL premier teams, even in the Pacific Division, that have really taken strides in grabbing that high level talent. So, I mean, this NCDC thing, I it has been a whirlwind <laughs> and I, I don't know, I don't really even quite 
I don't know that it's really quite hit home what that's going to look like um, in terms of players and fan bases and communities and everything um, until until the next maybe six, seven months from now. I mean, you think specifically with Colorado, there's three Division One schools in the state that play hockey that have now got a couple of Tier 2 teams right on their doorstep, which hasn't been the case forever and ever. So um, that was a really long, 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 long-winded version <laughs> of, of what the NCTC is um, and, and what that is going to look like. But, man, it just could not come at a better time, could not – there is no better time, I think, um, for all the organizations in the Mountain Division to get to make this step together. Yeah, and, and it's a good time because you're right. It's been underrepresented in the western part of the United States for for quite some time. Like you said, there, there's representation out of the CHL via the WHL. Uh, for Canada, that works its way down into the U.S. Um, and I think New Mexico might be, you know, and a couple teams in Alaska uh, are really the the other tier two representations. Yeah. In in basically the United States, but you're talking about that whole kind of chunk of the you know mountain region over to the coast. There's nothing. There's if you're from that part of the hockey world, uh, like you're a kid from Salt Lake City or Idaho or San Jose, you have to leave if you want to yes. take that next yep. step. And you know, and that that's. Not a lot of kids want to do that, generally speaking. I mean, there's a lot of kids on the East Coast that they're very happy to stay there and they don't want to be drafted by a team out West or don't want to consider a team out West because they'd rather play near home. Western kids, same thing. They want to play near home. They just don't have the opportunity. So the fact that the USPHL is making that step to have the NCDC represented via the Mountain Division in in the USPHL is a huge step for kids that want to play near home. And have that opportunity now where their parents can be here in an hour and a half flight from Los Angeles or San Francisco or wherever and, and land in a Salt Lake City or Denver and see their kids play um, for like a bigger game or just they want to go home on the weekend. Uh, well, weekends are not playing and, you know, they can. <laughs> so Christmas, it's not that big of a hike. You know what I mean? And, and I think, too, one of the things, and again, like, you know, you you know this, having covered the Mountain Division for, you know, two, three years now, and obviously I'm with the Eagles, and so I've been around the division. But I, I think the other thing, uh, when it comes to the NCDC and, and just kind of about the Mountain Division, that is, I, I think really, you know, one of the more exciting things and one of the more unique things is uh, every organization in the division um, has done a really effective job of of building grassroots in their community, and it shows it, it shows in their fan base and their crowds. Uh, I mean, yeah. you know, we've talked we've talked a lot about Ogden, right? They have a beautiful facility. They pack it in. Pueblo's the same way. They get you know anywhere from seven to nine hundred people per game. Um, you know, the new ownership group in Provo. I they're They've got the Predators rebrand to tie back in with their youth hockey community there. And, um, you know, the first year when, especially the second half, when the Riverblade, formerly the Riverblades, now the Predators, 
were were doing well. They brought in huge crowds. Um, the Eagles are anywhere in that you know three four hundred range, um, depending on the night. And you know Utah has upped their attendance significantly, especially over the past season. And, and so I, I think you know you have all of these these organizations making that jump to the NCDC, and they're all doing that where. I mean, they're going to be playing in front of packed houses every night. And in some ways, that in and of itself is is a piece that you can help players and, and, and recruit with because you can say, hey, look, it's not just you're playing high-level hockey and looking at a D1 commitment after this. It's, hey, you're already getting a taste of what it's like to play in front of a rabid home fan base and a rabid visiting fan base so that when you commit to DU – and you have to take a trip down to Cadet Fieldhouse and play at Air Force, you already have that experience, right? Um, so I, I just, Chris, I, I cannot tell you there are so many different layers in which this is so exciting. Um, and I just, you, you can't wait for those those physical strides to start being taken and the puck to drop on 23-24. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. It, it's going to be really cool now, I mean, at least for the 22-23 season, to have the currently 18 teams in the, what I will call Western Conference, uh, the Northwest Pacific and Mountain Divisions, um, competing. And I will be watching as much of it as possible. I do follow uh, several teams in the NAL, um, EHL, EHLP, uh, and then up there in Canada with HEO U18. So definitely going to be watching a lot of those. So if you're an EOJHL fan up in Ontario, um, you might have to reach out to us if uh, you have any highlights you want us to take note of. And other teams and you know other leagues anywhere in North America or around the world, if you're a junior league, pass those things on to us. Especially, I'm going to watch as much as I can every goal from the Western USPHL this year. I can't see every save. There's going to be obviously several teams I will follow, like Provo, Ogden, Northern Colorado. Um, but I probably won't watch full games of the other teams. Um, so if you're one of those other teams and you're listening and you haven't reached out already where we've talked, um, you're I'm going to be hitting you all up on Twitter let me know about those goalie saves. I always love giving the goalies as much love as I can to as a goalie. Um, so, you know, just a little, you know, midway through the podcast pitch right there. But I'm excited. I'm so – I literally can't wait for the beginning of the 22-23 season and in, in not only the USPHL uh, Western Conference, um, but elsewhere because I think – it's going to be a wild season of hockey. I think I feel like maybe the obviously the the pandemic had an effect on the leagues for the last couple of years, and most leagues got a full on go last year. Yeah, and I think that's really going to change what you're seeing hit the ice this year because players don't have a lull now. They've they've yes been yep. back on the ice, and so I think it, you're going to see increased competition. You're going to see. I think it's going to be really, really, this is going to be one of the best years for hockey, especially junior hockey. The talent is getting better. And like you said, being out here on the West and these kids coming up, you have a player like, for example, a Tucker Thorstad that, yeah. you know, 
is grown up and watched the Ogden Mustangs as one as a kid was an Ogden Mustangs fan. And now he's playing for the Ogden Mustangs on his third season on the roster. Um, you don't get that if you don't have that junior hockey presence um, in, a, in an area that long. You've got to develop that fan bases. And, and you know, Pueblo's very young. Provo is only a couple seasons old, but they've got yeah. the big youth program down there. Think about some, like, 9-, 10-year-old kid right now is going to be watching the Predators this season. Five or six years, he might be on the Predators roster, and that's just something that really hasn't been available to Western kids for the longest time. And, you know, it's funny that you mention, uh, you know, Tucker Thorstad and Ogden, and, you know, this is this will be um, the third season for the Mountain Division in the USPHL. And isn't it wild to think that, you know, you look around the division now in, in entering year three, and, I mean, last year saw the second wave of the familiar faces graduating. Mm-hmm. Isn't it incredible to think that the the old guard now, such as it were in the Mountain Division, is what, Tate Jensen and Tucker Thorstad and Ogden, <laughs> yeah. uh, Quinn O'Reilly and, and Evan Wamas yeah. in, in Northern, uh, Charles Anthony Barbeau in Northern Colorado, you know, and then uh, Pueblo. Haven't heard uh, too much about them on, yeah, been on, the, on the signing side yet, but like Isaac Hood and he's going to be a guy that, you know, is part of that old guard. And, you know, you had, again, it's, there's nothing but opportunities out in, in this division this year because, you know, you had, again, so many, so much of that top, the 19- and 20-year-old talent that was in the division. I mean, they're all in college, all of them. Yeah, you know, you, and so you, and you look and you wonder who who are going to be the next the next guys to to step up and, and to really fill that that void. Um, for and, their team. And that's exciting because that's those are the names you're starting to see signed now. And you're like, I don't know anything about this kid yet, but we're going to find out. And he, even old guard that, on new teams like, you know, a Stanford's, um, Stanford yeah. Zito, right? Because he's been with Ogden the last couple of years, but this year he'll be a Spud King. And I think if you're Idaho, that's the exact type of player you want on your team right now. A guy who's been there, done that, has been in the division for multiple years you need leadership like that available on your team. And you want a guy who's been there and, and, and can identify that with the other kids. Like, this is what it's going to be like when we play in Ogden, Pueblo, Noco, Provo, yeah. Utah. He's been to all of them. He's played in every single one of the situations. So he's going to kind of be the one that the guys in the locker room are looking at. Like, what are we expecting out of Utah, you know? Well, and the other thing, too, you think, I mean, just kind of mentioning Idaho Falls and looking ahead at the division – they're on the road. I mean, for the first what two months out of the season, well, they're uh, <laughs> they are their beautiful new arena in Idaho Falls gets finished, and so you know that'll be a unique, different experience for um, for those players, for Josh Hoff, um, their head coach, and that organization. Um, and they've got you know they've got one year to kind of figure this out on the fly, and then they jump up. Um, yeah. With the rest of the division to the NCDC next year. And, uh, you know, you've got Nick Dreyer taking over in Provo, you know, gets the full time gig or the, the head coaching gig um, after, you know, being uh, Kenny Orlando's right hand man for the last two seasons. So I, I don't 
you know, last year about this time, our conversation about the Mountain Division was, hey, you know, I just it feels really wide open. And then obviously Utah went out and bushwhacked everybody. Um, but I, I think this year, the just looking across the division going into this year, I, I don't know. There are so many unknowns, I think, which yeah. is really different yeah. um, here in the third season in the USPHL for for the division. There are so many question marks. I mean, how do, how do you see teams approach this year, knowing the NCDC is on the horizon? Do you have, you know, do do does the division get younger because they're intending to keep those guys next year? Um, I think that's one thing that's been interesting to see is is teams that have, I would say, trended older with some of their signings. You're seeing some 04s and 05s trickle into the division, which for the Mountain is is really young. I mean, it's traditionally this has been an older division. Yeah. And what's the signing age for uh, the drafting next year? Because you don't have rights to what is it? The 05s, 06s next year. For the NCDC, those are the ones that are going to be draft eligible, and everyone else is, uh, you know, free agent, so to speak. Yeah, yep, that's that's my understanding of it. Uh, but hey, don't quote me on it. And if you do, I'll make sure you don't know where to find me. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, it's it's going to be an amazing season um, in the West this year as, as we push up to the NCDC West and. Uh, for the last week, I, I was hiking in Norway, um, which sounds amazing. I mean, I was really excited for it. It's you know the pictures are beautiful. Um, I questioned my own sanity multiple times though uh, during this week because these hikes. I mean, I've hiked all over Utah. These hikes in Norway. Um, I wondered if I'd ever make another podcast again on <laughs> a couple of these. Cause You'd be out of breath. No, no. Uh, the the you could look at your death a uh, thousand feet, thousands of feet below. Um, That's it's not for me. Not no, for me. no. It was. Um, I did a couple hikes, uh, and I just remember keeping just keep my my hand gripped side of the like i'm not a rock climber and a portion of these hikes was almost rock climbing and i'm like and i got a big heavy bag on me i'm like i we were not we were not prepared uh uh for what we got ourselves into and it's not like you really kind of had a choice because you were just kind of dropped off we kind of arranged a trip to where we were dropped off in a location by a ferry and then they just leave you to make it to the next cabin <laughs> um Survival so you made it or you didn't Oh God! It was best of luck. We'll see you on the other side, or we yeah, won't. Yeah, it's like it's only thirteen kilometers, and you're looking at your step counter. It's twenty kilometers. I'm like, okay, so they were just doing like a uh, like airborne like thirteen clicks, but when you're going as, up and down the, and up as and down, the crow yeah. flies, as the crow flies, yeah. Oh, anyway, we, we were without the internet for several days, and that's that's new in this generation to be without such a thing that's become very common. So. My wife resource. Yeah, it really is. My wife loves reading, so she doesn't care. Um, I had a book with me. I read a couple chapters, um, and then I thought about hockey the rest of the time. And I know on one of our previous podcasts, and maybe not the last one, but the one before that one, you and I were talking about, you know, it would be cool to kind of have like a fantasy league 
for the upcoming um, season for the 22-23 USPHL kind of western side of the continent. I, th- I don't think the Northwest existed when we had this conversation. No, uh, there- it didn't. Now we've got a whole bunch of different teams like in the mix. Yeah, 18 teams now. So I'm like, well, what are we going to do here? So I think I kind of got an idea because, again, I had nothing better to do. And I remember my wife looking at me at this cabin, everyone sitting around reading books or a couple of people are playing games. And there's me on my phone. She's like, what are you doing on your phone? I'm like, I'm making notes. She's like, about what? I'm like, about hockey. She's like, of course, of course, you're in this situation right here and you're still thinking about hockey. I'm like, well, that's what I like. <laughs> you, know, so. you, know, you know, it's it's funny that you mentioned that it's not nearly as like far away and exotic as, as, say, you know, hiking through Norway. But, you know, I'll be sitting here at home or, or driving in the car with my wife and, you know, she'll look at me like, what are you thinking? And I'll say, oh, well, I was just thinking about what if you did this like Jersey promotional item or no, I was. <laughs> I was just thinking about, you know, this change that I need to make to, you know, this graphic design template that I've got. And she just looks at me and goes, oh, here we go. Another another conversation, right, about about hockey. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not for the faint of heart, folks. That's what we're saying. Both being the hockey investee and being nuptially tied to the hockey investee. It's not for the faint of heart. No, no. And uh, I thought, you know, being married to a Canadian girl, she'd be like, oh, hockey. You know, um, she's like a very faint Habs fan because her grandfather and father were Habs fans. Uh, but I, I could literally tell her right now, Ed Belfour is the captain of the Montreal Canadiens. And she'd be like, OK, um, so <laughs> she'd be she, like, That's, that, that tracks. That makes sense. That sounds like a hockey name. Um, definitely not a goalie. So. That's, you know, that's about her knowledge of she's actually the smart one in the relationship. I just I've just I've taken a lot of pucks to the head. So I figure at least you have that excuse, Chris. I never played. I'm just not bright. I I can't even blame it on like "Ah, I took hard high speed rubber to the face. I don't even have that. I I don't know if it's a flex. (laughs) It's it's not a flex. It's an excuse. That's yes. It's. It's a it's a it's a different flex. It's, it's a it's a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, it's an excuse. It's a it's a it's a rationale, and that's good. Yeah, it, it's definitely a rationale. Um, but I figured I'd throw some ideas at you here, and and you know, you and I can kind of discuss it offline afterwards, and the listeners can chime in if they want. Uh, you listeners definitely like to chime in a different tub, a different subject at a period of time, and you might be jumping into this league, so definitely put your opinion forward. But I figured for the USPHL After Dark Fantasy Hockey League, um, I would allow each team to pick up two goalies, three forwards, uh, actually three defense, and five forwards. I realized yeah, that in my notes. That's, um, yeah, that's, that seems that seems good. Five five forwards, three defensemen, couple couple tendies. Yep, and, and it's because of multiple reasons. Number one. I'm not going to allow a lot of movement throughout the season. It's not going to be one yeah. of these super active leagues where you have to like, oh, well, I'm going to drop um, Tucker Thorstad for Stanford Zito. No, well, that's, that's that's not happening. That was going to that was going to be my thing. Is I, I feel like I feel like if you go down this road, no movement. What? No, no. Like you. No, no there's going to be some flexibility because of specific reasons, and that's what I had hours and hours and days to think about. So this, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking if basically. 
like you, you drafted a forward because they're all going to have different scorings. And I'll talk about the scoring here in a second. But if your forward or defenseman switches roles uh, for the game, so basically, hypothetically speaking, again, I'm just going to pick out the same guys here. Tucker Thorstad uh, is going to switch from forward to defense this game, and that's what he's registered at for that game. The points that reflect what he gets for that game also switch to defensive points. Um, the start, any goals, any assists, everything changes for that specific game. Now, if that persists beyond three games in back-to-back weekends, your player is released to free agency without your consent, and you must select a replacement player. So say, hypothetically, Tucker Thorstad's been a forward all season, and suddenly, over two weekends in a matter of three-plus games, he's been a defender. You have no choice. He's been released from your team, and you have to find another forward because uh, you can't hold on to him. Well, uh, I, now, I'm, I'm going to play some homerism here. That, go for it. I, you don't want to take an eagle. I mean, with the number of guys, <laughs> that's one of the things that, that Steve Haddon's exceptional at, is taking forwards and making them defensemen and vice versa. I mean, I, I, I don't so know how about would we that. Play I, that? How, like, how would we play that? Because, Or do we just basically make I, forward defense no, I, kind I, of interchangeable? I, I think, I think, me thinks, eight skaters. If you want to load up on offensive defensemen, be my guest. If you want to take eight forwards, go right ahead. I well, let me let me rephrase okay. that. Eight eight skaters minimum two defensemen. Yeah, That's but what if they that, switch roles throughout the season? Or when, when they're initially drafted, they have to be labeled as a defender. Yes. Yes. Well, I would say yep. then it would still be the three five rule. I'd still say you have to pick three defenders. And I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe it would be better off to be two six there. Yeah, I think I think two six. But that's that's just me. And that's also because you know I've I've got the uh, institutionalized uh, fifty well a hundred plus games now of you know we've seen. I mean, you know, this year right. Luke Moore, who's signed with the Eagles, is going to move back up to forward, um, which is super exciting. You saw Javon Hyder got last year, kind of go back and forth to address injuries. Um, same thing with Xavier Alps. So, um, and, you know, Pueblo's done that a little bit as well. Stanford Zito, right, is moving yep. back to forward this year after spending um, time on defense in Ogden. But he started as a forward in Ogden and then was shifted back to the point. Um, that's the only reason is I just I think about some of those some of those swaps and that can get really nitty gritty right on on tracking that so i almost go that's gonna be hard that's what i was trying to figure out so i i like the way you're going with that so that's what we're gonna stand by i think eight out of out of net um but when they're selected six of them have to be labeled as forward two of them have to be labeled as well minimum of two defenders if you want to select four defenders it's on you yeah minimum of two defenders during your draft so i like that that's that's what we're going to go with then um, I also have, if a player has not played three games, go ahead. I was just going to say this, this yeah. means that we're going to have to, we're going to have to get everybody on the horn for this, right? Oh, I'm Steph in for that. Sebastian, we're going to have an episode. Yeah. Oh, everybody's got to, everybody's got to get their, get on board with this. We're going to, uh, when this podcast first started, we did an NHL draft for, because the season, it was COVID season and it was super late into the year. And we decided to do kind of a live draft thing. 
And uh, that's kind of how we did it. We're going to do that for this. We're going to try to get everyone as possible together. And if, if people can't, they're going to have to send me these super extensive lists or whatever. Be semi-available because I can't oh, be no, waiting 15 it's, minutes during a podcast it, episode. No, it's like but, auto-draft. If they're not here, you snooze, you lose. You can quote okay, me like on that. that. You can, you well, can cut that for a little how? teaser for the episode. But, you know, we just – Well, they can li- literally a, tell them like, you need to write, basically list off the – I don't know how many people are going to be on this, but list off the hundred players in order that you want. And if they've not been picked, they will be picked by that list. Um, yeah, that's what period. I'm saying. Cause here's like, how it's going to roll. Too. I'm also going to only allow, and I think this is going to make it because there's 18 teams now. Uh, and I know people like Michelle, you're listening, uh, exist. Uh, she's going to try to load up on bowls. You're only yeah. allowed one player per team. Period. Whoa, like if whoa, you the, whoa, 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 yeah. If you draft what? the Mustang, that's it. There's 18 teams, 10 players per t- per roster. You're allowed one person off a roster, which means you've got to look at every, you know, there's 18 teams. Oh. You've got to compare some 10 teams. That's going to make the challenge. You can't load up on NoCo. You can't load up on, on Ogden. You can't load up on Pueblo. You can't load up on Las Vegas. You're, oh. if, you, if you pick, oh, if you pick. Hurts. If yeah, seriously, if you pick Hirschfield off of the Ogden Mustangs, that's your that's your Mustang. You've got to move on, and I think that's going to make this draft very, very interesting and very strategic. Oof, right? Oof. It's gonna hurt. <laughs> and I think See, it's going to make conversations, draft conversations, and and the, the season progresses because you're going to be watching. You're going to be watching, you know, player X on Lake Tahoe because you drafted him. Right? I mean, that's that's the idea, right? When we're not all, you know, running around uh, on our different assorted, uh, our assorted other beats that we're covering. <laughs> yep, and, and that's the thing. It's like we all have our favorites. You're only allowed one player per team, and there's going to be, again, little things I've thrown in here. So basically, if a player is not played for three games – uh, you may, you may, you don't have to, you may release a player to free agency and replace the player again within the same rule guidelines. So basically if a player gets injured, like Jack Jones is out for a, a chunk of the year last year and listeners be ready. Jack will be hopefully if we can get the timings, right, be the next podcast recording. And we're going to be talking about his billet family experience. Cause we've had players reach out wanting a little bit, know, you know, more about, what are they expecting to move into and what what are they looking at when they're moving into a family they've never met before and and what's that experience like well jack is going to tell us because jack has done it for for several years now and we're going to talk to him about that so but jack last season got injured towards the end of the season was out for a while if that happens that could really kind of hurt your team but if it's three games in a row you can release Jack, and of course that puts him back in the free agency. And then you can pick another play, like if he, if he was your Mustang, you can pick a Mustang or you know one of the other teams that you don't have a player on. You can now pick a Yuri Yushikov or, or whatever you want to pick that maybe he hasn't been drafted yet for some reason, um, but, or but he's been released can, because he was injured. But you can still only have at any given time one guy from each team. Correct. Now there are little again more oh. more little rules. Oh. So no more than player per team. If your player leaves the USPHL's Western Conference, like they're called up, 
traded outside or you're, you're at that point, you're immediately entitled to acquire a free agent. So say Jack Jones got called up to, you know, whatever, Austin. Well, he's no longer available to your roster. That's an immediate pickup. You can immediately pick up another player. Uh, points won't count unless identified via message before the game starts. So you can't say, again, hypothetically speaking, Yuri Shukov was injured, someone dropped him, and now he's a free agent, and Jack has been called up. Now you pick up your Yushikov, a gate, you know, like four, 15 minutes, whatever, after the game started, and you send me a message like, yeah, I want to pick up Yushikov because he just scored like 14 goals. Well, it doesn't matter. You have to, I have to see the message has been received before the official game start because also I'm sleeping. So you're not going to get it that quick. <laughs> you're, claim, you're claiming the time zone difference. I like that. So the but the message has to be per what what the guidelines are going to be has to be into my inbox prior to the game starting for you to be able to gain the points for that player at that time and of course that's something you got to monitor. If Jack Jones gets called up. I'm not going to let you know Jack Jones was called up to Austin. You've got to let me know like oh he's been called up and Sink you've got to monitor swim your team. Is what he's saying, folks. Sink or <laughs> swim. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, uh, let's see. I have here, if your player gets traded to another team in the West, so again, say Jack Jones gets traded from Ogden and Noko, and you already have, you know, a, a Quinn O'Reilly on Noko. Um, basically, uh, you can choose to keep both or drop a player to free agency and acquire another player on another team. So if Jack Jones gets traded to Noko, that's not your call. Like, that happened. You can keep both players. You can keep Jack Jones and Quinn O'Reilly. Or at that point, you can go, you know what? I know Jack just got traded there, but I'm going to drop Quinn O'Reilly, and I'm going to pick up, you know, this guy from the Ontario Junior Reign. Boom. Um, that That's kind of like a, one of the freebies you get if your player gets traded, because it's not often you're going to see teams in the West trade to each other. It's just probably not going to happen. So if it happens, you yeah, can keep that's both true. I, You know, sometimes you see it. You see, you don't see it within division terribly often. I'm just trying to pull out the the Rolodex here over the last three years. <laughs> you you might see intra division trades, so yes. you know a, a Pacific and a Mountain guy, Mountain and a Northwest guy, now Northwest guy and a Pacific guy. Uh, the Pacific did do a, a a teensy bit of inter division dealing, um, but you didn't see much of it. You definitely didn't see it in the Mountain. No, no. And, and I think I, I think that's going to be the one thing where you're allowed to have because they when you drafted the player, when you select them for your team and they're still in the mountain division, they're still competing. That's kind of your your kind of a keeper moment. Where you get to keep both players should you want to. But also that allows you to maybe release a player at that free moment right there. Like, OK, no, now that. Uh, this player's been traded. I want to. I want to drop him and pick somebody else up. Or I, this other guy that's on the same team. I'm going to drop him and pick somebody else up. So, but there's not going to be this like free. I, I I don't like the idea of having this like free agency period where like okay now everyone can make. Uh, you know I don't know if we want to have like if we want to make trades between individual teams here. Like say you have a uh, Charles Anthony Barbeau and I, I have Antonio Tarantino. That's that's um, not okay, hypothetical. That's happening. I don't care what I hypothetically have to give up. I'll trade all my roster spots and just and just run run Barbo out there. I don't care. <laughs> 
Well, so I think that would be the only way that I think as long as the player's been picked up. I don't need points if he stops everything, Chris. Oh, let's talk about points, okay? So what do you think about this system? Because I'm I'm extremely biased for the goalies, uh, if you if you've been able to tell. So let's just talk about defenders first. So defenders get 1.5 points a game that they start, uh, well they play in, so to speak. Uh, three points for a goal, a point and a half for an assist. It's six points for a hat trick bonus. But it's a it's a defender. So if they get a hat trick, that's a big bonus. Each additional goal after a hat trick is plus two. Now, forward, a little bit different. Forwards only get a half a point for playing in a game, two points for a goal, one point for an assist, a hat-trick bonus of three points, and only one point for each additional goal beyond a hat-trick. So a goal could be worth, obviously, if it's a hat-trick goal, you do the math. But it's a bonus. But forwards are expected to be scoring. Uh, so that's why they, their points don't count as, as much. So what do you think, before we go into the goals, what do you think of that distribution we're I, almost defenders because that's the thing is if you want to pick a defender, that defender could get you a lot of points because their points are worth more. I thought I like that. Yeah. But I also don't match mix, so good. Yeah. Okay. And so I, I might need a visual representation at some point because my brain just it panicked. It went into panic mode. It was like, <laughs> you know, it, it was like Jodie Foster in panic room. I just went numbers, math. Run well, so, so so basically compared I, to I forward like that, and, hypothetically. So so the forward the defense thing, and this is like if we if we keep this model because this is based off of the the five three model, but a gameplay for a forward is only worth a half point, whereas a defender is one and a half points. A goal for a forward is worth two points, where it's worth three points for a defender. An assist is worth one point, where it's worth one point five points for a defender. And hat trick bonus is an additional three points. And a one point additional per like like fourth fifth goals because I think Herrera had a game where he had like five goals this year, um, and then a hat trick bonus for defenders would be six points with two points for every additional goal. So it's almost kind of like it's going up another fifty percent for should, defenders. Should the games be switched for forwards and defensemen? Because I mean, if you do the math, the likelihood as a as a defenseman theoretically, right? that you will play is higher because proportionally, let's say you carry your 20, what, 20, 23 skaters. Yeah. Something like that, right? Hypothetically, you could dress seven defensemen in a game. So if you only carry nine, you have a darn good chance of playing. Versus in a game, let's say you only have, you know, you dress 13 forwards, but as a team, you carry 17 proportionally you have a lower percentage to play every game as a forward than you do as a defenseman. Well, the reason I went with more points for a game played as a defender is because there's a lot less likelihood the defender is going to be scoring goals and gaining assists, generally speaking, compared to someone who's a forward or, you know, like, like I said, centerman winger, who's expected to take on that role. Of course, an offensive defenseman is what you'd be like, like Googling, like I like hard eyes at like if you got to find an offensive defenseman, that's what you'd be targeting because they're going to be like the money maker for you. Um, but that's kind of why I figured defenders are generally going to score less points than forwards. So therefore, a game played would be worth a full point more than a forward because a forward's more likely expected to score. I 
I'm going to be honest. I think at this point, I'll just rubber stamp all the math. I'll just go, yep, looks great. I'll send it all in deets. I'll send it, I'll send the deets and we can, you know, you, I, Stefan, Michelle, uh, we can all kind of hash out what this should look like. Cause I'm trying to make it as, as balanced as humanly possible. And well, I was going to say that, but let's talk about goalies. So we're allowed two goalies, a team, a goalie play is three points uh, because yeah, because if you're if you're part of a one A one B, you know that could happen. Uh, so and, goalie plays three points. Go ahead. And and let's be honest too. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say it with the Mountain Division too. You never know who's gonna start on a given night. Nope. You don't. <laughs> you, you never, never know which hot hand is gonna get ridden. You never know which which matchup goes which way. I mean, how many how many different like how many different in the mountain division, how many different qualified goalies at the end of the season were there that were playing games? Unbelievable. It, I mean, unbelievable and the guys that were amount. incredible weren't even getting starts because teams were just loaded. Yeah. So just, I, I, I like that because I just, again, thinking about, uh, it's critical and, because you only have two goalies and maybe in a weekend, neither of them get the start. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, they both start twice or they both start once, depending on the weekend, right? Yeah. So that's kind of why I look at that and I'm like, the goalies, the goalies need a a kick. The goalies need a kick in points for that, for that reason. Now, say they get pulled from the game or, or they pulled into the game that shifts to one and a half points so if they get pulled from the game they lose a point and a half and if they get called into a game that they weren't starting now they get a point and a half so um you know that's just going to be me staring down hockey tv and hockey tv if you're listening uh love you guys love a sponsorship um so i think uh you know that that's a way to kind of gain points for the goalies right there even when they're not starting a shutout is worth an additional three points um that's even if two goalies share a shutout that's still a shutout so you still get the three points uh saves and this is going to be again based off the hockey tv stats so guys that's what i'm going to be basing this off of if you if you made 40 saves that game and they only showed 32 of them i have to go with the 32 because that's the stat i can see i'm going point one point per save so basically 10 saves is worth no make make your life then make your life easier 10 plus one 20 plus two 30 plus three 40 plus four no those 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 additional saves that going up to 19 could be a 1.9 versus a i I, I think i'm gonna do it to point one because it's like if it's 23 saves that's 2.3 points i i mean that's that's i don't have to yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> math wasn't my strong point so i'm like let's see 23 saves yeah 12 points then yeah that works yeah so yeah, i'm just gonna keep it Perfect. like if you make 43 saves that's 4.3 points that's you know like honestly having coburn last year who's now an atlanta mad hatter i'd yeah. have just won because what was he making like 70 saves a game so i would have just just killed everybody if i had drafted coburn um is, is, and, is there going to be a minus for goals allowed? No, I'm not going to do any minuses for goals allowed or, or penalties. I I strongly considered it, but I'm like like that's where it starts to become a little bit complicated. 
Um, and then, yeah, I just think that uh, having the minuses, I feel with junior hockey, I just want to focus on the positives anyway. So I'm just going to focus on the positive. I'm not going to focus. Well, he led in, you know, seven goals, uh, but he made 70 saves. Um, I, I'm not going to have the, the negative aspects with uh, with junior hockey players. If they were professionals, well, heck yeah, they're going to get penalized. <laughs> if <they're> getting- <laughs> No mercy. So, yeah. So, um, and the little extra caveats for goalies. So, if a goalie gets an assist, that's three points. If a goalie gets a goal, that's six points. What do you think no, of that? Like, no, should a goalie goal no. be like a lot, goalie, a lot? No, a goalie goal automatic win. Like, it doesn't matter what anything else happens that week. <laughs> you've automatically guaranteed a head-to-head matchup victory. Doesn't matter. It's not even a point value. So if Tarantino gets that empty netter at the end of a game, just yeah. I win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You want to you want to talk about rewarding? I mean, that never happens. That's true. Did, did anybody did any goalie get a goal this year in the West at all? No. Any goal? That's, any? Do you speak Did any goalie get a goal? That's that's what I'm I don't saying. Think so. If if yeah. a if a goaltender scores a goal, automatic win. No contest. Yeah, we'll have to look at how this goes down. Um, it's, my, but it's my hot take. That's my I'm also gonna, call. I'm also going to tell people, because I do sleep during these games, because I am in Copenhagen, that uh, the stats for, again, I was part of the, the PHF um, Fantasy League this year with uh, Mike Murphy, who runs that for the Ice Guard. Yeah. And uh, the Pigeon Hockey Podcast finished third overall. So, booyah. Um, Nicely you know, done. Thank you. And I will stand by the fact that, unlike the two teams ahead of me, I didn't make any moves. I stuck with the same athletes all season long. Even you, Sarah, who had like 0.6 points. I stuck with my athletes all season long because I I basically kept every player I had from the season before. And if a player had left a PHF or wasn't playing that season, I drafted specifically a rookie. I didn't go after Mantis, which everybody wanted to you know, go after uh, Sebastian. Um, and Buffalo signed her this year to an $80,000 contract. So booyah. Uh, very excited to see her in a Butch uniform. But... Um, I was going after rookies, and I'm going to stand by my same thing this year. If you're still in the league and I had you on my team last year, you're going to be on my team this year. And if you left, I'm picking a rookie. I'm just standing so, by that rule. So it worked out for me this year. So what you're saying is you have experience in this malarkey. I mean, I do. I, 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 I was part of the, uh, the Dan K Show's NHL Fantasy League last year. And, you know, I had a couple hot stretches, but overall it just uh, – it, it didn't break my way. I finished I finished above 500, which is not something that every team could say. That's true. So I'll, I'll take that. Stefan went well, 15 and 7. He kicked my behind pretty good. Wow. Well, I'm thinking like maybe running this not so much like a head-to-head this season, but like a total points overall and just doing that progression throughout the year. So that like your players are accumulating points throughout the year and it isn't a win-loss thing, but rather – Kind Smart. of, yeah. Smart. I just think I like it makes that. it a little bit easier. Go with the go um, with the, a, the soccer table model. I like it. I like it. I think I've I've liked those leagues in the past. Those are the ones I enjoy being a part of more. And I feel if I'm gonna sit there and do the math this year, um, I you know 
I definitely just want to, and, and if you're listening to this, when we do release the information, you have every right to join this fantasy league this year. Um, so by all means do it, uh, because I think with the way the West is built this year, this will be the only season, uh, for how we do it this year. Cause next year, the mountain division moves up to the NCDC. We'll talk about how the league looks at that point. Cause I don't know. I didn't project 73 teams being in the USPHL this year. So, uh, I'm it's, not, it's, I'm not sure that many did. No, it's, 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 it's so big now that if you can win, the national championship in the USPHL premiere this year. That's probably one of the hardest, if not the hardest. I, I had to sit there and count how many teams are in the CHL, but I don't think it's 73. Um, I think this is probably going to be the hardest hockey trophy to ever to raise in 22-23. At, at if the you, junior if hockey at, level? At yeah. the junior hockey level, yeah. Not even that. I mean, look at any level. Like, I mean, yeah, Stanley Cup, great. You guys, you know, make millions. Good luck. But what I'm saying is, like, there's only 32 teams in that league. The NHL only yeah. has 32 teams. Like, you only have to beat the other 31 teams. If you're going to be the Rockets of 23 or 22-23, you've got to beat 72 teams to raise that cup. So it's it's going to be no easy feat. And so the team that raises the – USPHL Premier Cup this year um, is probably going to be one of the hardest trophies to ever raise in, in the junior hockey world. So, uh, But again, I'm excited to see it all. I'm excited to see the NAL. I'm excited to see the EHL. I'm excited to see it all. Um, I'm ready for some ho- hockey, and I'm losing my mind without it. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're counting down the days. That we are. In fact, we should probably wrap it up because you probably got to get back to work. And it's it's something like that. Here. <laughs> it's so hot here. I'm literally sweating. I'm not kidding. Like, I'm wiping sweat off my, uh, my head here. It's incredible. But, you know, that said, we do want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in. Uh, so be sure to follow us on PHH Official to let us know what you think. And also be sure to comment and share any hockey games or hockey news we should cover in a future podcast. And before we officially wrap this up, I will also say that the Pigeon Hockey Podcast has officially joined the Hockey Focus uh, on Twitter, and we are now part of that network of hockey podcasts. So give them a look and uh, and give us all a listen here as uh, we all cover junior hockey and other hockey stuff. And, uh, well, for the most part, I won't say which one of you podcasts talk about golf way too much, but it's a hockey podcast, and I swear 90% of it is golf. And, I don't know. I, I guess I'm too used to winning. I don't know how to play golf. So, you know, a little <laughs> jab right there. You know, so. Uh, but that's it. This is the Pigeon Hockey Podcast with Chris and today's special guest, the play-by-play announcer for the Northern Colorado Eagles out of the USPHL, Brendan Price. Thanks for having me, Chris. And, man, we're going to have to do this again sometime before the season starts. Or we're going to, especially when we do the uh, the draft. And we're going to get as many of us on here as possible to draft and uh it's gonna be if i've drafted a player they're unavailable it's not gonna be like 40 of us can have you know the cab um once a cab is off the table he's off the table so you know it's gonna be fun to see how uh numbers are drawn and uh strategies are taken but uh, that said listeners always clear your crease